This is Unplugged, 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 Unplugged. Welcome to this episode of Unplugged. I hope you are having a great day. If not, I pray that grace and peace be multiplied unto you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we have been on this journey to discern what to expect in 2023 and how to be equipped for the journey ahead of us this year through scripture. That is through the lens of the word of the living God or through the lens of the living word of God. You know, scripture says the word of God is our foundation. We live in a, our world was created by words. And I've had several episodes that I've done on the point to the fact that why we should, why it's not hard for me to believe that this is a word engineered world. And the gospel of St. John, it says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, him who? God, God who? The Word. And without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And light shines in darkness, and the darkness comprehend, comprehends it not. Very powerful. This is the Gospel of St. John. I don't know, I'm feeling like a lot of... Uh, a lot of these episodes now, I kind of start them off with just like, I don't know, just like a word of admonishment, admonishing before I dive into the agenda of the day. So I really felt like talking about the power of words, the power of words, because this is a word created world that we live in. And the scripture says, by your words, you are justified and by your words, you are condemned. Death and life are in the power of the tongue and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Words are very powerful. Words is how we're created. This world is defined by words. This world moves according to words. Uh, words move people from A to B. The word, I'll see you tomorrow. Just those words, I'll see you tomorrow. Cause me to realign my schedule. They cause me to go to bed earlier. If the, if when I say I'll see you tomorrow, the words I'll see you tomorrow at seven a.m. are very different from the words I'll see you tomorrow at ten a.m. I'll see you tomorrow at seven a.m. will cause me to go to bed earlier. It will move matter. That's the power of words. If you don't if you don't believe it, well there you go. That's an example for you. Words are powerful. We live in a word engineered world. The words I'll see you tomorrow at 10 a.m. are very different from I'll see you tomorrow at 7 a.m. I'll see you tomorrow at 7 a.m. moves matter. It puts pressure on physical matter. It'll put pressure on me to go to bed early so that I can wake up in time just so that I can be at our meeting appointment at 7 a.m. And if I'm running late, instead of using transit, those words I'll see you tomorrow at 7 a.m. for me to fulfill those words will cause me to catch an Uber so that I can get there on time. Or if I was gonna take transit, 
It'll either cause me to catch an Uber, call a cab, or drive my car, which I would not normally have done. The words I'll see tomorrow at 10 a.m. give me more leeway. They put less pressure on physical matter. So I want you to say, understand that the world around you was created by words. So when you read, according to this living word of God in the gospel of St. John chapter one, when it says in the beginning was the word and it was this word and this word was with God and the word was God. So God and his word are one. It says the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Now, it has already told us a description about the word. It says the word in the beginning was the word and it was with God and the word was God. So if it says the same was in the beginning with God, all things were made by him, him, right? It says all things were made by him. This is verse three, him who God, God who the word. So you can say all things were made by the word and without the word was not anything made that was made. In him, him, who, God, God, who, the word. So in the word was life and life was the light of men. That's why in Psalms 119 says the entrance of thy word brings light and says your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Wow. It says this light shines in darkness. It says in him was life. And the life was the light of men. Wow. In the word was life. And this life was the light of man. And this light shines in darkness and the darkness cannot comprehend it. Then I love it when it says. Ah. <laughs> it says. He was in the world. And the world was met. And the world was made by him and the world knew him not he came unto his own and his own received him not but as many as received him him who the word to him he gave power to become the sons of god even to them that believe on his name which were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man but of god then a love verse 14 says and the word was made flesh. The word was made Jesus Christ and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. There you go. The word, we live in a word engineered world. Wow. The, it says the word became flesh. When it says the word became flesh, it's talking about the word became Jesus Christ. Wow. You know, it's very interesting. I do have, um, wow. Looks like we're going in a little bit of a tangent. I'm, I'm going to take a little tangent here and then I'll, I'll, I'll get back on track here because there's some really good stuff that uh, the Lord put on my heart. But there was some stuff that he put on my heart and then he put new stuff on my heart. So it's like, what do you want me to, to share? So um i'll 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 try to kind of take a little side journey here it amazes me that there is how people conceptualize god it's very interesting because here it says though it talks about in the beginning was the word 
right? And it starts to paint these pictures of like, who is God? Like who is, says the same was in the beginning with God. It says all things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. So he's, the word is the beginning and the end because the scripture says, uh, Jesus says, I am the alpha and omega, the beginning and the end. But then he talks about how the word is light. It says this light shines in darkness. So God is light. Then another person of scripture says God is love. So, so the word is light. The word is love. But then also what's really supernatural about it is that the word became flesh. So it not just stay as the word, but it also became flesh. It became Jesus Christ. And dwelt amongst us. And isn't it really interesting that it talks about how that, wow, you know what, let's just read it again, because I, I want I want you to capture the train of thought. We're going to a very interesting place today. S stick with me. So it says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light. Wow. So someone else was sent to bear witness that a light is coming into the world. Jesus Christ, the light of the world. Says, to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not, so you probably know the famous scripture, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, as people like to think, but the world, but that the world through him might be saved. This thing is about light and darkness. You know, people who work in darkness, they hate light. People who walk in light appreciate light. So when people resist the gospel, the good news, um, there's a part of their darkness that cannot comprehend the light. These are, um, it says that he that believes in him is not condemned, but he that believes not is condemned already because he has not believed the name of the only begotten son of God. And this is the condemnation that light is come into this world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Of course, of course. Um, even as a, as a born again Christian, born again believer, uh, by default, you have to understand that creation, we live in a fallen world. Creation is fallen. So our default setting is we tend to go towards darkness instead of light. It's easier for a child by default who has been born, who has not navigated in, who has not been exposed to any evil. Their first instinct will be to be selfish than to share. You realize when a child is born, you're always training them to do the opposite. 
of what their default senses are causing them to do. That's our nature. It says men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that does evil hates light, neither comes to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. If you're doing something wrong, you don't want you don't do it in the light because you're going to be reproved. When people that's why they're called backdoor deals. You make them behind, you know, backdoor deals. So it's called under the table. That's why, you know, uh, most sin and unrighteousness is committed at night. It's true. It says, neither come to light. It says, everyone that does evil hates the light. Neither comes to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that does truth comes to the light. If you have nothing to hide, you're not going to have an issue doing it in the light. That his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. Anyways, because I have some very interesting encounters when I run into people, you know, on the streets, in different places of habitation. I had some interesting encounters recently. Um, I do realize that some people are, uh, you know, when you talk about this concept of faith, belief, but also of a standard of righteousness, a standard of this is right, this is wrong. Most people get offended when the standard does not point, if they don't agree with it, most people right now, nowadays are easily to be offended. They feel like their truth, which is an opinion, is not being honored. Now, um, so you run into people who are, are very angry, people who are, uh, we, as human beings, it's very easy to be offended and it's very easy to be deceived. So you might not know it, but anyways, I, I run into this guy, it's very interesting scenario and, um, you know, we started talking and you know, just asked him, he was like, hey, so what's your dream? And he said, oh, I want to go back to Turkey. And said, oh, yeah, he told me he was from, like, Turkey and um, Iran. So he was half Turkish, half Iranian. So we're talking, and he was surprised. We were talking about how, you know, I just, you know, I just reached out to him, just said hi, and was like, how was your day going? We started talking. And then instead of talking how about how people uh, in this part of town or city that I live in, he said that they're not very friendly. He said that, yeah, I said that these people are, you know, they're not friendly. They're not, you know, they, they, they're kind of like individualistic and something along those lines. And then said, said, uh, th so I said that, um, yeah, I said, yeah, we need to pray for them. He said that even God, cannot help them. <laughs> so, you know, it was very interesting. So in my mind, I go, okay, these guys use the G word, God. So it's curious. So I probed him. 
I like to think, I like to ask people what they think about what they really believe, you know, it, 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 it I, I like to see how different people process faith and spirituality because uh, I've come to believe it's, it's our ancestors of being here. We have reason, purpose, we were created. God has a plan for everyone and destinies and all of that, which is what is going to be, was supposed to be like kind of, it's still the main agenda of today. So we'll get to, to that at some point. And so I, I, you know, I probe different people just to find out how people are thinking, you know, you know, people are very interesting. You know, when you, when you travel, if you take transit, if you, man, you see people are just in deep thought. Everyone always looks like they are thinking some really deep, profound things. So <laughs> I like to find out what are people thinking? So I said, you know, then he started talking about um, how he's in so much pain. That he has arthritis in his left leg and arthritis in, I think, his right leg, something like that. Um, his body has inflammation. And then, um, so he said that, so I was really moved. I said, he said, yeah, I'm in pain and this and this. So I was like, I was like, oh, it's like, oh, sorry about that. Um, I said, can I pray for you? I said, I said, do you, I asked him, I said, do you believe God can heal you? You know, that, that whenever conversation enters that point is usually kind of like when you really start to pull out what is on the inside of people, you know, you're like, hmm, who is this person really? Um, You know, Jesus said, um, he was talking about, um, about a man's character. What was that? He was saying that, what shall a man, he said, what shall it profit a man to gain the whole world and sell his soul? Uh, I need to find that. Anyways, it's this whole concept of the soul of a man. There's certain questions you can ask someone and you can really get to know, like, what is their soul? You know, asking someone saying, oh, where do you work? Where do you do that? You know, that doesn't really fascinate me anymore. Uh, that really doesn't tell me anything. I, I don't really know anything about you. That's surface level for me. If I, you know, just... You know, what do you do for work? What kind of music do you like? What food do you eat? That's not really the inside of a person. You know, Jesus said it's what comes out of a man that defiles him. You know, what goes into a man. And Jesus also said is that it's out of your heart that murders, fornications, um, all the evil that we see in the world or whatever falls under the umbrella of darkness, you know, it comes out of the heart. And there are questions that you can ask someone to really know who is this person on the inside. And for me, it will tell me what level of discovery has this person gone to what depth has this person explored the real meaning of life? Like, what do they really believe? Like those are that for me, that's, not, 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 not the surface level, or whatever. 
that that doesn't tell me anything. So if you really want to get to know people, you need to ask some uncomfortable questions. That's the stuff. When you really ask people, even even if I was just talking to Christians, you can tell what what kind of Christian someone is. There are certain questions you ask, and you will know. You'll know where you will know what do they really believe in this God they say they believe in? Do they have a relationship with him? What do they, there's questions you can ask. So um, so once I asked, I said, hey, can I pray for you? Uh, oh, man, that he was just like mad and angry. And it it just brought to the surface his deepest heart. You know, he 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 said, what do you say, man? He was just like, I am done. The first thing he said, 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 I have been to the best doctors. I have tried. I've been to the best doctors. So I said, yeah, you. so what? You've been to the best doctors. I said, but they're not God. I said, they're not God. Yeah, doctors fail all the time. Doctors don't have all the answers. So, um... So I think perhaps he took that as an offense and said, yeah, but he's not God. You know, that doctor is not God. You're trying to think that that doctor is God, but that doctor is not God. So is it then, he, you know, he stood up and was like, he's like, yeah, I'm done. I'm done. Like, you know, prophet these, you know, it's like, it's like religion, these prophet, these, these, that he's like, God forgot about us. You know, God doesn't care about us. This or that. And then he said, <laughs> He said, he said a statement that really summarized him. And I could, he's, I could just, I, I, I got a snapshot of who this person is, what they think, what their life is, and perhaps what their traje trajectory is going to be. Because they said, I'm done with all of that. Now my destiny is in my own hands. Ooh. Never heard a person make a statement like that. <laughs> I don't. I don't even think I've heard an atheist make a statement like that. That sent chills down my spine. It's like now my destiny is in my own hands. It's like wow. I was like wow, and then. People are interesting, man. So that was one type of person. Okay. Then came along another person. And I asked them the same question. Kind of kicked off the conversation in the same manner. You know, it's like, hey, how are you doing? And I was like, um, I was like, what's your dream? People are shocked when you ask that question. You know, what's your dream? Man. It's people are interesting and funny and weird and everything in between, good and bad. Because I like to catch people off guard. So just ask, I said, so what's your dream? Man, he was like, it's like, well, it's like my dream is to retire my parents early. My dream is to retire my parents 
uh, early. And this guy had just come from uh, Nepal. Yeah. This guy's about, you know, he said he was about 20 years old. You know, he's a new guy, in, you know, to this country. Uh, and, and his dream is to retire his parents early. And I said, how old, you know, it's like, how old are your parents? He said, so his dad is like 47, his, his mom is like 40. And I was like, okay. So I was like, I was like, that's okay. That's, you know, that's, that's not bad. So I was like, do you know your God-given dream? He says, ha. Oh. And that one again kind of caught him off guard. And he's like, no, not really, you know. Um, and then so, you know, we just got to talking and it's like, I was like, yeah, it's like, it's like, I see how you are. And you've come in with a lot of energy. It's like, I, you remind me of, of me when I just moved to this country so many years ago that, uh, my dream at that point was also to retire my parents early to, you know, the American dream as it's often called and to kind of, you know, pull your people out. So, you know, I just challenge him. I said, it's like, so I was like, you know, you know, you can have a dream, but there's another dream that's higher than what perhaps is your current dream, which is the God given dream, which is essentially, you know, retiring your parents early is not a bad dream to have, but that's not the reason why you were created. We need to start asking higher questions. And this is a part, this is a good segue into the second download, you know, that, that I, you know, when I was seeking the mind of the Lord earlier on today. So that's not a bad dream. That's not a bad dream, but there's a higher dream that fulfills your purpose, your calling and your destiny. That's your God given dream. Now, Another interesting person, person number three, when I asked them that question, they said, um, yeah, it's to get a well-paying job and something along, you know, and, and a house. So that for them, so you can see, None of those really are pointing towards why you are here. That's a question that I've been trying to pause 2023, which I really felt like the Lord was put on my heart. The very first time that I started this series of, you know, looking at 2023 through the lens of the, of, of the word of God and the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, it is both Christians and non-Christians there's more people who haven't confronted that question. That is the core puzzle. That's the core piece to you, to that realigns who you get married to, or uh, what school you go to, what you take up, what you take in school, you know, what other further education perhaps you should pursue or not, uh, what part of town you should live in, you know, where you should work, all of these things, because some people because they think they they forecast and say well in order to get this job you need to have this qualification so now i need to go to school but perhaps you, you're going to school to get a master's 
for a job, but that's really not going to be what you need for your calling. So you're getting this more credentials. You're going back to school because you're trying to measure up to the standard of what the trends are saying. But you have to understand the world is rapidly being changed. If the world is rapidly being uh, disrupted. Every foundation is either falling or it's being disrupted. You know, the big companies that usually hire thousands, thousands of people are laying off tens and tens of thousands of people. So if the top hires, the top companies that normally hire uh, people and pay them big bets are, are, that should tell you something that it's not about what is trending. There's, um, there's something bigger for us to, 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 to pivot our lives around than what uh, Wall Street projects, than what, uh, because even Wall Street is, is, always, is always confounded. You know, they project this, then something else happens. Than what Forbes 30 under 30 is saying, than what uh, whatever tabloid, whatever publication is saying that these are the hot trade skills for 2023. This is what every recruiter is looking for, every company is looking for. So that company, so these people built up these lists and said, this is what the top companies are hiring. But then the company comes out and lays, out and lays off 10,000 people. So you can see that there should be a bigger purpose for us. Uh, we need to elevate our imagination and our thinking to a higher dimension, to a higher, there should be a bigger question that we have to first answer, then we can comfortably confront what 2023 is going to throw at us. Then we can, you know, we have to first answer the question, which is why am I here? If you ask the wrong question, you get, you're going to be uh, misled, you're going to be misdirected. So, I was just, by me just going around, just asking people some questions is really to get a feel of where are people, you know, because, okay, I'm assuming they've seen the news, they've seen this, they've seen that. So where are they trying to place their lives? What are, what is causing, what is moving their needle? You know, what is causing their fuel gauge to decrease or what is really pushing them? So unfortunately, both Christians and non-Christians haven't answered this question. Now, it's even more unfortunate for Christians because the word of God says in Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans not to hurt you, plans not to harm you, plans not for evil, but plans to prosper you, plans to give you hope and a future. Another translation say plans to give you an expected end. And then Ephesians chapter 2 verses 10 says, For you are created in Christ Jesus. Right? Unto good works, which he has before ordained, before the foundation of the world, that you should walk in them. Let me make sure that I quoted that properly. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says, For we are his workmanship, 
created in Christ Jesus and to good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. Do you see that? So that's the temperature. That's, for me, all, you know, three to five people, you get a good sense. You get a good sense because you can see how people are thinking. You can look at 10 people and be like, this person's probably thinking about this, this and that. The countenance sells them. You can see someone who's thinking positively. You can see someone who's thinking negatively. You can see someone who's thinking just nonchalantly, like they're just like, you know, they're just kind of costing, you know, they're not really thinking negative or positive. They're just kind of right there. Right. So, um, yeah, perhaps encourage you stop being on your phone too much you start to pick up on these cues so where does that leave us this is um segue into the other stuff the other part of our agenda so now we're saying that we need to confront this question why am i here I don't think that's a that's a question you can put off any longer, to be honest. Whoever is listening to me, that you need to you need to deal with that. Because you can spend 10 years of your sweet, precious life, your energy, just burning fuel. Just burning fuel. Because you were going in the, um, someone said that uh, speed is not an advantage if you're going in the wrong direction. Absolutely true. So speed is not an advantage if you are going in the wrong direction. Absolutely not. If you're going in the right direction, oof, speed is your best friend. But if you're not, it's not an advantage in any shape or form. So, anyways, let's get into some cool, juicy stuff here. So, and in the last episode, we were talking about, we ventured out into the kind of mindset that we should adopt to conquer and overcome 2023. And it was primarily cultivated from the Gospel of Mark chapter four, where we're talking about the parable of the sower. The parable of the sower is, is, is pretty cool. I was hoping to uh, revisit it and see what other gems I could harness out of it for us. Uh, I didn't really get too much time because when I was trying to find the frequency of where the Lord's mind was at, I he ended up letting me down a different path. So I kind of was just flowing with that but anyway just a quick recap we're saying that in the parable of the soul and, and if you haven't listened to the last episode it's pretty it's a good foundation even for what i'm about to dive into because in the parable of the soul you see four types of grounds where seed was sown and you can see why each ground was not able to bear fruit or bring fruit out of the seed that was sown into it and I said, when you look at the parable of the sower, you can use it to understand and get direction 
for how we should think about government policy, education curriculums, relationships, marriages, businesses, investing. It's it's mind it's mind blowing. I will try to you know dive deep into it, you know, meditate more on it, and just keep on bringing more of these real life examples. And and I said, for instance, let's look at just marriage as an example. If if the marriage for the case of, of, of using any illustration again, if if a marriage was sown on the ground with thorns, because in verse seven it says, and some fell among the thorns. No, okay, let me first resummarize the parable of the sword. So in this parable, Jesus talks about that there went out, uh, he began to teach by the seaside. Many were gathered unto him, and anyway, verse number two says, he taught them many things by parables and said this unto, and, and, and said unto them in his doctrine. Now, I, I just want to, uh, I'm going somewhere, which is going to be the mindset. Now, today I want to focus on your imagination. Now, but I need to do kind of like a quick recap of the parable of the sower, just for us to remember that that aspect of the kind of mindset that you need to have for 2023. So in this parable, he says, by the way, the thing that he said, why the parable of the soil is the most important parable in all of scripture is because Jesus himself said in verse in, in Mark chapter four, verse 13, he said, and he said unto them, know ye not this parable? How then will you know all parables? So if you can understand the fundamentals of this parable, you are going to be able to unlock all the other mysteries in the kingdom of heaven that Jesus was teaching, how life works, moves, and all of this. Now, he said, hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow, and it came to pass as he sowed. Now, this guy is sowing seeds. Picture this guy. You know, Jesus is saying, and this guy came to sow as he sowed. Some of his seeds fell by the wayside. Now, when they fell by the wayside, it says the fowls of the air came and devoured them. It says, and some fell on the stony ground where it had not much earth and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it, it was scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and chalked it. And it yielded no fruit. So that was category number three. Category number four says, this is in verse eight, and other fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. Then it says, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. Then he goes on to explain what this parable means. It says, the sower sows the word. Said those that were sown by the west side where the word is sown, but when they have heard the word, says Satan or their opposition comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. And says these others which are sown on the stony ground. Says when they have heard the word, immediately they receive it with gladness. But here's the problem. It says they have no root in themselves. My goodness. And so they endure but for a time. 
Afterward, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. Then he talks about category number three. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as they hear the word and the cares of this world and deceitfulness of riches and lusts of other things entering in, chop the word and it becomes unfruitful. Then the last category, which was the good ground, says these are they which are sown on the good ground. They hear the word, they receive it, they bring forth fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, some 100. Now, what really stopped the, the in, in summary, what really stopped the seed from bearing fruit is a couple things. In one part, it says this ground had no, uh, the ones that were sown on the stony ground, it says they had no root and no depth of earth. Now, in another one, it says the, the first one, the birds of the air, and chalked the seed. They kind of took the seeds. The seeds didn't even have a chance. In the other one, it talks about how they had no root or depth of earth. And say when the sun um, was up, it scorched. It was scorched because it had no root. It withered away. Then the third opposition, it says some fell among the thorns and the thorns grew up and chalked it and yielded no fruit. So when I, when I step back from this parable, some fundamental principles that I that you can quickly grasp that I just want to bring to your attention is that Essentially, there was two oppositions that were external. And the, 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 that was the birds of the air. That was from the outside. Then there was another opposition, the sun, that also was from the outside. Because it says when, when, it, when the sun was up, it was scorched. The third opposition says they were among the thorns. So when the thorns grew up, they chopped these seeds. So that opposition was from the inside. So that is stuff like your character, like, like, it, because it says things like the deceitfulness of riches all last. So that's envy, that is greed. So the third opposition was more internal. And the, so the, the, that's what killed the seed because this opposition came from within. The, so even though they could have had um, a chance of growing. The inner turmoil of the man, the character, stopped this person from attaining or achieving their destiny. And, you know, it uses things like lusts. Uh, it uses uh, deceitfulness of riches. And, you know, I was saying things like you can absolutely look at, let's say, investing companies today. And these companies that have a good idea uh even in a good market but what eventually ends up killing the company is internal turmoil you know the mindsets the characters the flawed characters on the inside of these people then that company never really gets to its potential apex you know so you can look at it from an angle of investing you can look at it from an angle of a marriage you know or even a single person because of the deceitfulness of riches because perhaps you want to drive the, the same car as your friend. That deceitfulness 
of comfort, of keeping up with the Joneses, causes you to go get it, you know, to enter debt. And now debt has become a snare around your life and you can no longer be fruitful. You can't do anything productive because now you're snared with debt. Or it's a family that wants to keep up with the Joneses. You're getting a mortgage you can't afford. Or it's uh, public or government policy, which is not really, which lacks root and depth because it is not aimed at solving the root problem of society, but because that politician wants to make some noise with some good forecast, let's say for the next year, or it's going to solve the problem on the surface, but doesn't really get down to the root of the problem. So that's what he's saying. This policy had no root. So it has no root or depth of earth. It has no root within itself. So when the sun rises up, that policy is scorched. When opposition of the economy rises up, then we see that that policy in the first place was flawed. Right? So you can use this, you know, if, if, if you're doing an investment portfolio, man, and, and, and someone's trying to pitch you an idea. And so you look at that idea, then you say, well, this idea is by the wayside because it, it has a direct line of sight to all competition. So if the margins of this business are not high, or even if there's good margins, the mere fact that this is an exposed business model means that um, this business is not going to be around for a very long time. It won't be very profitable because anybody can look at this and copy and duplicate, you know? So it, you can use this parable to just, man, you can take it anywhere that you want. Anyways, that's a recap. That's kind of where we are. So now today, uh, for this episode, I want to continue on the same trajectory of ways we can expand our imagination and mindset. So it's it's, it's very interesting. Uh, there's a story because we're talking about imagination. Today, I want to cover imagination because you're going to need an imagination. If you don't have this, just, yeah, this, this, is, this is the key. I think this is... This is this is the piece that, man, if, if you don't have this, it's going to be a rough year. I'm sorry, it's going to be a rough year. If you don't have this figured out or sorted or dealt with, whatever plans you're trying to come up with, it's not going to work. And here's why. There's a very interesting scenario here in, 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 in one of the gospels, a very interesting encounter that Jesus had with his father. So the father comes to him. This is out of the gospel of Mark chapter nine, verses 14 to 29. I'm just going to read it. Um, so anyways, this guy, this father had his child who was demon possessed. I know I'm talking about demons and spirits. <laughs> so anyways um he it's very interesting because he this guy comes approaches jesus and he says um this guy had brought his um child 
to the to Jesus's disciples and they failed to heal him. This is the back story. So we're picking up in the middle of the story. There's a point for us there. In verse Mark chapter 19, verse 20, it says, And they brought him unto him. So the disciples have failed to heal this guy. And Jesus, so this guy now says, Hey, Jesus, uh, he says, I brought, I tried to bring my boy to your disciples, and they, you know, and they, and, and, and they failed. They, they failed, they failed to cast out this evil spirit. So Jesus, first of all, was angry because he said unto them, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. So Jesus is saying, come on, guys, I've been showing you how to do this. By now, you should be with the program. You should be able to do this. So after he rebukes them, saying, O faithless generation, then he says, and they brought him unto him. And when he saw him straight away, the spirit kind of tear him kind of gave him like a, caused like a, a seizure and he fell on the ground and wallowed for me and he asked his father how long is it ago since this came unto him and he said of a child the dad said since he was a child and oftentimes it has cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him now here's the thing the the father of this child says but if you can do anything have compassion on us and help us. <laughs> Jesus counted him in a very interesting way. Jesus said unto him, if you, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. All things are possible to him that believes. Because this guy was saying, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus threw it back at him and said, no, if you can believe that I can do it. So this guy was trying to remove his imagination, his belief out, out of being one of the variables to solve this problem. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And another part of scripture talks about, for with God, all things are possible. So then this guy cries, he says, and straight away the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. So he really showed that he was trying to believe that he kind of, he believed, but not all the way, that there was a part that was holding him back. Right? So anyway, Jesus dealt with the situation. He says, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. Man, that is a blank check. That is a blank check. If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. That is a, what do I mean by that is a blank check? That is not even, Jesus is not even saying that if you're a Christian and you believe. No, he's saying if you can believe. All things are possible to him that believes. So there's this notion, there's some parts of scripture 
that Jesus says, and you realize that those are part of what form what we call universal law, that he applies that God, the one part of the scripture says that God, he's the same God who lets the sun shine on the ungodly, on the godly, on the wicked, on those who are not wicked. Meaning like when it rains, it does not rain on only people who believe in God. It rains also on people who don't believe in God because that's God. There's certain things that are universal laws of nature, universal laws of the, of, of, of the universe. Gravity applies to whether you believe in God or you don't believe in God. It's a universal law. He has set it in motion to govern the world. So there's a universal law that Jesus was telling us here that exists within the universe, which is called, if you can believe, all things are possible to him, to you, that believes. So, now, I did some analyzing. I looked at, I'd never really seen this again. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Uh, when I, I don't know how my, I don't know how I was inspired. And it was the Holy Spirit who got me to really look into this. But I, I did some analyzing. I looked through some of the miracles that Jesus did. And I realized that this principle, if you can believe all things are possible to him that believes, actually was put in motion in all his miracles that he did. And there's another principle that, in fact, that was put in motion that you see at the end of every miracle that Jesus did. He says, be it unto you. In fact, it says, according to your faith, be it unto you. Meaning not according to Jesus' faith, not according to God's faith, not according to, and it says, according to your faith, be it unto you. So, meaning Jesus, when you, when you see how he was doing these miracles, Jesus gave to everyone what and how they believed from him. You know, he didn't deliver to anyone. He, Jesus didn't perform a miracle outside the scope of your imagination. He didn't. Um, and I will show this. I'll go through some scriptures so that you can capture this, so that you can see this for yourself. Meaning, Jesus gave to everyone what and how they believed from him. For instance, as an icebreaker, I'll show you here. Let us start. Um, let's look at the first miracle. I'll, I'll compare and you'll see. There's a miracle in the Gospel of Matthew. In the Gospel of Matthew, it says um, the best way to really see this principle is this. So, we have a couple of scenarios here. In Matthew chapter 8, it talks about this centurion. So, his imagination was that because that is God, you know, that is the Son of God, I believe that he can just speak and my servant shall be healed. And that is how he received his miracle. 
So it was according to how his faith imagination was built. Because this guy came and said, the guy came and said, Lord, my servant lies at home, sick of the palsy, grievously, torment, grievously tormented. And Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. It's very interesting that the guy counted and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou should come under my roof, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. So now we know what this guy really believed. Where was his imagination? His imagination was set on, dude, if you can just speak the word, that's all I need. That's all I need from you. You don't even need to come, right? And how did he receive his miracle? How was the power of God manifested unto him? And I'm stick with me because I want to show you how spiritual principles really work in the real world. Like how the Bible is a word that is living. It's a book of life. It's out of this book that you can really understand how life works, how life moves. The Bible, because Jesus said the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they're life. So this is a world in which we're 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 spirit beings with a soul and have a body. The flesh part of us allows us to 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 be in touch, to communicate with physical matter. The five senses that communicates with physical matter. Your soul communicates with the world of reasoning, logic. Your spirit communicates with the spirit realm, right? So I want to show you out of the spirit world and show you how it was actually coming into the physical world and why imagination is very key. So the point is that this guy say, speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. What did Jesus say unto him? Jesus said, go thy way in verse 13. Jesus said unto the centurion, go thy way as thou hast believed, so be done unto you. And his servant was healed in the self-same hour. So this guy's imagination was said to just speak the word. And what did Jesus do? He just sent the word. The miracle happened. Okay. Now, watch this. Um, then there is... Um, Let's look at another scenario. In another scenario, you'll see that. Um, let me see which which one here, which is pretty cool. Mark, because I need I need to do some compare and contrast. In the Gospel of Mark, you see another interesting scenario of how this woman got her miracle. Now. This one will really show you the two different mindsets of two different people approaching the same power source. In the Gospel of Mark chapter 5, we see this guy, um, it says Jesus was passed over. Anyway, it says, they, 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 behold, Mark chapter 5, verse 22, there comes one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, my little daughter lies at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, and she may be healed, that she may be healed, and she shall live. 
So this guy's faith frequency or faith imagination was set at Jesus has to come and lay hands on my daughter. Right? So one guy, his imagination was set at, if Jesus can just speak the word only, my daughter shall be healed. This other guy, his mindset was, Jesus needs to come and lay hands on my daughter. And of course, so Jesus was meeting everybody. So the power of God was being manifested to everyone according to how the imagination was. So once this guy said this, Jesus said, went with him. However, it was interesting that as he was on his way to this guy's house, remember the other guy said, no, you don't need to come. Speak the word. And all he did, Jesus spoke the word. His servant was healed. This guy's faith was set at Jesus has to come in person and lay hands on my daughter. But it's very interesting that on this journey, as Jesus was going to this guy's house, Jairus's house, <laughs> there was another woman whose faith was set at, he doesn't even have to touch me. I'm the one. I just want to touch him. Because it says, while he went, much people followed him and thronged him. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years, had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all she had and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. When she heard of Jesus, she came in in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch, but his clothes, I shall be made whole. So this woman comes in, she's like, you people are old touching him and you're, I just need to touch the dude's clothes. Man, I just need to touch the live wire. Like, like I just need to touch the power source. It's also very interesting because her imagination is how she received her miracle. Because, and straight away, that means after she touched him, the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? Wow. So it's not like even Jesus was like, who touched my head, my hand, my ear? Different people were touching him. But he was able, and that was not like they were touching him, like touching his body, touching him. Some probably touched his head, touched his hair, touched his hands. But he was the power, the precision of power flow that it flew out to someone who placed a demand of it and said, I just have to touch his clothes. And that's how the power came out of him. Because he said, who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and thou sayest, who touched me? And he looked round about to see how that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, daughter. Wow. This is the first time he called someone daughter. He says, daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. So we're seeing different scenarios. One guy says, send the word. That's how he receives. Another guy comes and says, you have to touch my daughter. 
And eventually Jesus had to go and touch his daughter. She was dead, heal her, and, you know, she was brought back to life. This woman's like, I just have to touch his clothes, right? So I'm just trying to show you that your imagination is what is going to cause power. Your faith imagination or what some people are, you know, I don't call it karma. I don't call it luck. But if you're that person who believes luck or whatever, your imagination is what causes the forces of luck or the forces of karma. If that's what you believe in, I call it. It's what causes for me. I believe it's what causes the power of God to cause things to come to be in your life, for things to be birthed in your life. Let me show you another example here that I, that I was able to catch wind of. So in another scenario, you see Jesus heal two people, right? One of them, uh, where is this? Jesus two heal, heals two people, two blind people. And it's interesting that one of them they bring this guy to him and they say, uh-huh, uh, I need to show you that interesting contrast because it was one of the things that I used to really see that this is how this was wor working. Anyway, so they they heal two, two people. Jesus heals two people. And one of them is blind. Both of them are blind. However, one of them, when they came to him, they said they brought him that Jesus may lay hands on this person. And so Jesus laid hands on this person, right? But however, the other person, blind Barameos, when he received his miracle, all he said is that I may receive my sight. Let me find that. That's a there's a very interesting contrast there that you sh that I want. I'm just trying to show you that when you don't have your imagination set, whether you believe in God or not, you're not going to cause the forces of God, or if you believe the forces of of nature, camera, to move into your direction. It is your imagination that causes all of these things to start moving. Um, where is that? So you, you have a scenario where in one instance, the people come and say, Jesus, we need you to lay hands on this guy. He's blind that he may see. Whereas in the other instance, they bring, this guy just cries out and says, and Jesus asks him, what do you want me to do? And he says that I may receive my sight. So, and the scripture literally says, receive your sight then. Uh, it's right here in... Because um, I want to make sure I capture the contrast. Uh, just bear with me. Blind Barameos. That is in the Gospel of Mark. Yeah, let's, let's just go here. And I'll show you that your imagination is very powerful and you need to, if you don't have, okay. One guy, Mark chapter 10 verses, 
Um, um, versus 46. Anyways, the, the, the backstory is this. This guy is blind, right? And he screams out, says, Jesus, son of David. Um, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. People try to shut him down. And 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 he just cries the more. It says, he says, thou son of David, have mercy on me. This is Mark chapter 10, verses around 46 to 52. Anyway, so Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, be of, be of good comfort, rise. He calleth, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What will you that I should do unto you? The blind man said, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith has made you whole. But it's interesting that the scripture added this, and immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. Now, there's another guy that they bring to Jesus. This other guy, he's blind, and they, they're saying they brought him unto him that he may lay hands on him that he might receive, you know, that he might be healed, that he might receive his sight. And it talks about how Jesus had to take him outside of the city in order to heal him, like he had to lay hands on him. Um, I'm, I'm trying to find that. Just flipping through these pages. Uh, I should have had it bookmarked. Uh, I thought I did, but anyways. The whole point of them that I really um, is, is is your imagination is so powerful because God, the power of God can only meet you where you set your faith imagination, right? So the point at which um, the point at which your your imagination is set, that's how God's power is going to be manifested to you or the energy of the universe, which is, I'm trying to bring in people who have a hard time conceptualizing, who may not understand that what you call the force of the universe or karma or all this, it's, it's all what God has designed. You know, you might think it's luck, but it's not luck. These, it, they, you know, people say there's another definition. Say, luck is when opportunity meets planning. There's, there's, there's a way in which it's engineered. It's not hocus pocus. Belief is not born in the mind. Now, its conception starts there, but true belief and faith is born in the heart. However, the mind plays a key role. And because, and because because the mind is what first receives this. The mind is the first gateway. So I can use a scenario, you know, about our world, just just like an example. What's what's the point of imagination? 
I'm going somewhere. Belief is not born in the mind. Now it's 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 conceived there. Conception starts there, but true belief and faith is born in the heart. Why is that? Let's look at this example. Here's a scenario in our world. How do you explain to people running the same business in the same part of town, but one person is more successful than the other? It's the same kind of business. Maybe the names are different, you know, but one business is more successful than the other. You see, both of these people on the surface to you just looking, thinking things in our world just happen because our happenstance. Both of these people on the surface, it looks like all variables are the same. But you need to go back to the inception of this idea. One of them probably set it out because of his imagination and really building, you know, that belief, the yes, I am meant to start a business in this part of town. Like he had that imagination that that was built up, that was conceived in his imagination. You know, he had that gut feeling to open that business. That That is what called him. That destination, that final output, that imagination, seeing that, yes, I can see myself with a business in this part of town. That's what called him. Now, the other person probably started that same business because they saw someone else doing it. So for them, they have no internal source of faith that can birth or that can cause the forces of nature to, to, to come into agreement or support with this destiny, with this, because it's not really a destiny. It's not a calling. And that's why even when things, when, 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 when things hit the fan, the person who started this business out of head knowledge, they'll be the first one to quit. They'll be out of there. They'll close up shop. But a man, a person, a man or woman uh, who started this business because it was birthed out of their imagination, they that will inspire them. That will cause them to overcome the storms of 2023. You know, when, when it looks like there's a casting down, this person will say, no, there's a lifting up. This person will still have hope. This person will still have belief that, hey, man, no, it's going to work out. Because the other person just started it with head knowledge. So you see, on the surface, it looks like everything's the same, but no, no, not really. Every person's business is actually operating at a different spiritual frequency. The other person is not really operating at the same frequency. The other person is operating at head knowledge. This other person is operating at heart knowledge. The, so the variables and unseen channels or unseen frequencies of possibility and success are only available to the first person who received a call to start that business. And so on the on the out on the out on the outside, for you you might just see customers flocking to one business instead of the other, and you might think it's happenstance or this person has just better marketing. But really, 
everything that this other person is doing, who started this business out of their imagination, out of their heart, everything they're doing is being powered by that force of faith, which has created that force of attraction to, you know, to, to, to one business that causes people to come to this business instead of the other. There's absolutely a force of faith. There's absolutely a force of faith. So where is your imagination at the beginning of 2023? Do you even have any picture in your mind of where you're going? Because life is just going to run you over. The winds are just going to be blowing you left. The winds are going to be, when the winds blow left, you're going to go left. When the winds blow right, you're going to go right. When the winds blow north, you're going to go north. Because you have no anchor. So at the beginning of January, and I know we've got a couple of days left. The point is, you need to have an imagination at the end of this year. And that should be the driving force that pulls you through January, through Feb, through March, through April, through May, June, July, August, September, October, November, December. There has to be an anchor, which is your imagination. Because that is what, that's where that, remember, uh, the highest probability of success and, 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 and you overcoming and dominating this year is going to have to be built from your heart, not from your mind. Belief is born not in the mind, it's in the heart. Here's, an, here's, here's another interesting story. You know, once in a while I like to tune in. I tune in, find out what's really happening in the startup world and you know what ideas people are working on. I look for some unique stories. So there's this guy called Black Shaw and uh, they're building a supersonic jet that will travel, you know, faster than the speed of sound. Uh, it'll travel at Mach 1.7, if I, if I get that correctly. Now, I heard this guy talking about how, how, how does someone who has never built a plan, how does someone who has just worked at Groupon, at, at a company, uh, how, how do you build a supersonic jet when you're not a pilot, you're not an engineer, you're not... How? How do you do some... We're not just talking about a regular aircraft, guys. We're talking about a supersonic jet. How do you wake up and have the guts, the belief, the faith that you can do this? You're going to see this through. It is not out of your mind because it's exactly out of your mind. That's why people say you're out of your mind. Why? You're in your heart. <laughs> you're not operating in your mind anymore. You've transcended the dimension of your mind. You because you you now the force is coming from your heart. It's your belief. Anyways, let's talk about this guy. So let's listen to him. And anyway, long story short, this guy says that, he said, you know what? Why hasn't anyone done this? And he started to believe that he could do it. 
So then he started to, once he believed that you can actually do it, he started to put together the plan. Now, there's, there's another principle we're going to dive into here, which is called, we have been trained to think, to first think logic and then imagination. But the moment you put logic before imagination, you kill imagination. And that's the problem. You know, right now, people realize, say, what's your plan? What's your plan for 2023? What's your plan? What's your plan? No, no, no. What are you seeing? What's your imagination? What, 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 what's your picture? The moment you put logic and reasoning before imagination, you kill imagination. Imagination has to come first. And the logic and plan are born out of the imagination. You see, once the destination is set, then different paths can be chosen how to arrive. The destination, which is this, which in this case is the final outcome or the picture, seeing a supersonic jet on a runway, taking up, flying people. That's the picture. Once you conceive that, not in your mind, Remember, it starts in your mind. That's where conception happens. I don't even know if I should say conception happens in mind. Conception happens in the heart. But that's kind of like the entry point. But it then comes down into your heart. Once your heart captures it, the force of faith is built. And it starts to move the universe to now align with that vision and dream to bring it forth. That's why in the scriptures, you always see God will always ask people and the prophets of all, you know, he asked Jeremiah, he says, son of man, what seest thou? Meaning, what is your imagination showing you? What are you seeing right now? Isn't it awesome? He says, son of man, what seest thou? What is your imagination showing you? God never came and asked people, what is your plan? No, no, no. Because he knew that right now, most people think the plan comes before the imagination. No, 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 no. Without an imagination, you can you can drive. That will be like waking up and saying, you're just going to get into your car and start driving. Yes, you have the car, you have the fuel, the roads are there. But where are you going? You need to know where you're going. Your imagination, the final outcome. So Jesus, God will, Jesus will, you know, uh, in Jeremiah, you see this. God asked Jeremiah. And God would do this a lot, many times. He would say, he asked him and said, Jeremiah chapter one, I'm going somewhere. Stay with me. It says, moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me saying, Jeremiah, this is Jeremiah chapter one, verses 11. What seest thou? And Jeremiah said, I see a rod of an almond tree. Then said the Lord unto me, thou has well seen, for I will hasten my word to perform it. Once you see it, then God can start to perform it. Or once you see it, that imagination causes people to start coming into your life to help you birth this thing. Right? Anyways, let me first finish the story of this guy and then touch about something else. And yeah. So anyway, so this guy saw himself building this thing and he really started to believe that he could build a supersonic jet. Once he believed it, he said, well, I believe I can do this. Then he started to say, how can I do it? You see, the, the first question is, can I do it? 
can I see myself doing it? Then the next question becomes, how will I do it? Can I, can I do it is a different question from how will I do it? But can I do it? If you answer that, then it will birth how you will do it. So anyways, he started to build this supersonic jet on a spreadsheet. Even before it was there, like the physical whatever material, he started to build it in an Excel spreadsheet. The parts, everything, everything was, he built it on a spreadsheet. Then he took this spreadsheet and took it to a pro professor at Harvard, took it to a few professors and said, why haven't we built a supersonic jet? The numbers check out. But this guy could see this jet on the spreadsheet, not just as numbers. When the numbers were adding out and balancing, to him, he was seeing a supersonic jet already built. His imagination, now those numbers were built up this imagination because the first part of him, his imagination was, I can really believe we can do this. Why? Like he saw it, he saw it. And then he started to build it on a spreadsheet before investors, before manufacturing plant. He first saw it come to life in his imagination. And once he captured it in his imagination, you could not take it away from this guy. So professors then started to say they were, you know, confounded because they're like, well, yeah, why isn't anyone doing this? The numbers check out that, you know, it balances. So he took it to another professor. Then he started finding experts in the industry and saying, why aren't, why, why isn't your company? He started going to people at Boeing. He said that if Boeing really wanted to do this, they could have done it 10 years ago, 20 years ago, but they just can't see it. And so what ended up happening People started to believe in his vision. People started joining the team. So now he has a spreadsheet that answers the question, can we build a supersonic jet? Yes. So now whenever he would show that picture of the spreadsheet, professors would now start to join the company as advisors. So now he has an advisory board. Now he's building credibility. So then he starts to go to investors. So guys, this thing is possible. By that time it was game over. Like. They, they could not, they, they were just look, the evidence was just too overwhelming. And yeah, they're building it right now. There's in fact, a couple of prototypes that have already built and now they're mainstream plan supersonic jet, which is called Overture, I believe. Let me see. Yes, it's called um, the Overture. It's going to be, uh, it's estimated that it will start flying commercially in 2029. 20, uh, yeah, it says it will begin production in 2024. So that's interesting. I don't know when it will officially. Yeah. And so begin production 2024. Rolls out 2025, begins first test flight in 2026, and flies first passengers in 2029. But anyways, this was a guy who 
you see, once he formed that, then it was easy for him to start reading up on, you know, how flying works, airplanes, engines, and all of that. That stuff became easy for him. What people don't understand is that our brains have a valve. Like we have, like if you don't see a reason as to why you should be a rocket scientist, it will be impossible for you to start to go to, it'll be impossible for you to purse, uh, to get a rocket, uh, a degree in rocket science. It's impossible because, but once you see the reason, the need for you to understand how airplane engines work, how this whole concept of flight, how the upthrust force, the, you know, how, how it overpowers drag and all of these things, how these things work, it becomes easy for you to start um, your, 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 your soul, your mind opens up. It's kind of like if you are in a country where you really need to learn a language. That's why they say it's easier to learn a language through immersion than just learning it in a different country. Someone, you can go to school and learn a foreign, you know, another language for two to three years, and you will never be as good as someone who was just in that country for eight months. They'll just come up because our our inner system, our belief system, man, it's 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 it's, it's powerful. It's beautiful. It, it it causes it expedites processes. It causes things to happen so fast. It makes the impossible possible. That's why Jesus said, "If you can believe, all things are possible to he that believes." Now, the last part. Of this segment let's try to run let's try to run this thing out so i'm just trying to show you what is your imagination showing you remember i said we've been trying to think logic first and then imagination that's not how god operates that's not how god created us because the moment you start to put logic before imagination you're gonna kill imagination let's look at another example let's say you want to move into a house or build a house you're gonna, you're, you're gonna move your your family into a house, and let's say you have no cash at hand. You don't have enough money, right? That's the logic. You see, most people, as we've been taught, you will first run the numbers based on your current income, and then based on that, the numbers will move you to a certain part of town. But deep down in your heart you will have a conflict because you may not want to live in that part of town. But now, because you first followed the numbers, the numbers dictate that you can't afford to live in that part of town. You have to settle for another part of town. You have to settle for another type of house. Now, that's not to say that everybody doesn't start somewhere. You can start somewhere. But I'm now, I'm now talking about when you, how do you really go after what your heart desires because deep down in your heart you'll have a conflict because you say oh this is not my dream house i don't really want to live in this part of town i really would have wanted to live in that part the other part of town so that's person number one person a now there's this other person in the same situation as you they also have a desire to move into a certain part of town you know live in a certain type of house you know, however, this person uses a different approach. 
they spend their time imagining first. They envision themselves living in a house, in a certain kind, in a certain kind of house, maybe a duplex or whatever, whatever it is in, a, in that part of town where they really desire to have a house. And they spend, you know, in this journey, let's call this a five-year process. You say, it's 2023. So in five years, I want to move into my house. Right? Okay. Or three years, whatever. Now, one person ends up getting a house, but not in their favorite part of town, not the kind of house that they really wanted because they first went with the numbers. This other person will, and let's say even that they get approved, you know, get a mortgage and in two years they have their house. Now, this other person, man, they spent one year, a couple months. They even had a picture of their house. This is the house that I want to live in. They put it up. And every time they come back from work, that image is staring at them in that part of town, slowly building up on their imagination. They can start to see themselves living there. So the person who holds that imagination will birth a force of faith or what some people again will call luck or whatever. But the moment their heart captures this image and they conceive it and they start to see themselves living in this house, you can't take it from them. It will, it will come to be. It will happen. This is what some of the people call speak it into existence. All these principles in the Bible. Because that image will start to drive their lives to that destination, to that house. So what, what what's really interesting with how this life happens, how life works, is that all these things that happen behind the scenes that we don't see with your natural eyes, but you know, we say karma, luck, whatever, whatever that image will start to drive their lives to that destination. It becomes like an anchor. So for some weird reason, this person will find themselves running into weird opportunities of blessing, or if you want to call it luck, then perhaps even their company might even get bought out. And now they have more money in the bank than they ever imagined. And so that's how they end up moving into their dream home. Or for whatever reason, because this force of imagination is pulling them into this house, it might even cause them to go on a path, on a tangent, maybe to go off course to where they even quit their job and birth a new design them to start their own business. And let's say in the next three to five years, they have generated enough cash to own their dream home in their dream part of town. So you see, both of these people started out with without the numbers in their favor, but one person let the numbers direct them, whereas the other person let the destination direct them. It's two different paths and two different outcomes. So whereas one person allowed the initial numbers in their bank account to dictate to them where they should live, and perhaps, you know, the other person 
their imagination, this picture of this house caused them to take a different path within the next three to five years. And they arrived at that house. That's the beauty of life when you have an imagination and you see it through scripture. And now it's a universal law. It's a universal principle. All things are possible to you that believeth. Jesus said that. Doesn't matter if you're Christian or not. This is a universal law of more universal law that has been put in motion by God. So once again, why whereas the other person allowed the initial numbers in their bank account to dictate to them where they should live, the other person allowed the final outcome of that house. And, and this is where the scripture says, let patience have its perfect work. So this other person is waiting for the numbers to check out. Whereas this other person, that's the, the patience now comes in where your imagination now starts to work, right? Now it, it gives you an action, start this business. You start that business, but maybe that business takes three years before it gets profitable. But now it has bathed so much profit that you don't even need a mortgage. You can just buy the cash, the house, cash, straight cash. You know what I mean? Um, that is what, uh, when you read the scripture, it says, let patience have its perfect work. So then you yielding to this force, it starts to move you from A to B to C to D to E, but not in a straight line, kind of like zigzag, right? Whereas the other person just followed the numbers directly. So perhaps you're listening to this and to be honest, you have, you know, you're honest with yourself and right now you're saying, man, I don't have a vision or your imagination is not set to anything. I want to challenge you and I want to encourage you that you need to first calibrate your imagination. Before you go off to the races of 2023 and only to be unsatisfied at the end by what you accomplished, you need to first birth something in your spiritual womb, in your imagination. You know, you can ask God to give you a vision, not a plan. Start with a vision, a picture. You need to have a picture that you need to hold in your mind. And as you hold it in your mind, it starts to birth that force of faith. And the more you meditate on it, the more it starts to move matter, uh, opportunities, favor to come your way, just to align with that. There's a difference between a vision and a plan. It's two different things. The plan is how you get there. The vision is where you're going. Is, is, is the final outcome. So don't lay a plan before you settled on the vision. Get the vision, get the final imagination calibrated to this vision and let the vision now birth the plan. The vision gives birth to the plan. The vision gives birth to the plan. As you can see, different people in scripture envision being healed in different ways. And how they envisioned being healed is how the power of God was manifested to them. Some of them say, hey, I trust that you're powerful enough. Send your word. That's how they received. Others came, said, hey, 
I needed to lay hands on me. Guess what? He had to lay hands on them. Others said, just speak. And that's how they received. And it's also interesting that it was the people with the biggest imaginations, the ones who, you know, like the guy, the centurion who said, speak the word only. And then there's also another Canaanite woman who said, my daughter is at home, she's sick, but speak the word. These are the people with whom Jesus marveled and said they had great faith. So don't downplay your imagination. As big as your imagination is, that, that's what actually makes God happy. He wants people who have big imaginations. Before you get down in the details, in the bolts, the nuts, the screws, the eyes, dotting the eyes, crossing the teeth, before you get down into all of that, let God work on your imagination first. That's one area you have to deal with. If you haven't yet calibrated your imagination, don't lay any plans. I just want to encourage you that you can get a picture of your destiny from the word of God. Don't let this world, don't let the media trends set your imagination because the trends are always changing. Maybe in 2020, they say that uh, get this qualification so that you can work at Facebook or whatever. But then in 2022, we wake up or 2023 and Facebook is now laying off more people than it's hiring. No, no, no. Don't set your imagination according to the trends of the world. Because those are going to change. Those are going to be blown. No. You need the perfect picture. The one that will satisfy you. Is the one that God can give you. About your destiny. About your calling. It's in the word of God. You can find it. Go on a journey. In Proverbs it says it's the glory of God. To conceal a thing. And it's the honor of kings. To search it out. So God has birth this painted this picture for you that he has and all is saying he wants you to go to him and as you go on this journey of discovering what he has called you to be your destiny your calling man you're going to become a beautiful person and once you capture this imagination once you receive it this download from him it's game over you won't be tossed to and fro by the winds of, of this world you won't be tossed to and fro by pop culture, by what's trending, what's popular. You're going to be settled. You're going to be confident. The Bible, the living word of God, has a picture for everyone. It has a destiny call for you. It does. Any kind of career that you see out there, it's defined in the Bible. So if you really want to find out what industry you're called to do, what are you called to do? And in what manner, what fashion? It's in, the, it's in the word of God. That's what matters. We need people. We need everyone to be pursuing what they've been called to do. Because it says the foundations of the world are out of alignment. Psalms 82. It's very powerful. It says, and I'm just closing says, God stands in the congregation of the mighty. He judges among the gods. 
How long will you judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Read them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. This is the part that I wanted to, 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 to kind of close. It says, all the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, you are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But you shall die like, like men and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. All the foundations of our world right now are fallen out of course, and you cannot afford to add more misalignment in 2023. We need you. Find out why you've been called. Go on a journey. Discover. If you don't have a relationship with God, he's real. Ask him. If you don't believe he exists, say, Lord, some people say that you exist. I don't believe that you do. Reveal yourself to me. God has shown himself to some people. We just ask them a question like that. So if you believe in God, and you still haven't calibrated your imagination to your calling, he says, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Then you'll seek me and find me. When you seek me with your whole heart, you'll find me and I'll deliver you from your captivity. Once again, this was Unplugged. We hope this episode blessed your heart. Your host for today was Calvin Kabanda. Thanks for listening and see you on the next episode. Sella. Thank you.